You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Gators Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. And joining me once again from The Athletic is Will Salmon, where he covers the Gators and joins us on this episode of Gators Breakdown. Will, thanks for hopping on again. David, man, thanks for having me on. Good as time as any coming off the scrimmage in what, about 13 or so days before the spring game. Yeah, yeah, a lot of fun uh, to, to, to be had. We know that. Uh, but, but hey, before we dive into specifics of uh, what's going on, what we've seen at open practices and, and the, the, what the media got to see at the scrimmage this past week, uh, you weren't around last spring, and, and the first spring was definitely going to be different for Dan Mullen and, and this staff while trying to install and, and, and so much change going on. Uh, how is this spring at Florida compared to what you've seen in the past at Mississippi State? Well, you used the right word there with seen. We weren't able to see a whole lot in Mississippi State with Dan Mullen. It was kind of funny. I think it was like his last spring there where we didn't even have a roster, to be quite honest with you. And I would ask him like, hey, man, like, you think we can get a roster? Like, so that we know, like, who's going to be on the team and like what their jersey numbers are. And he was, I think I remember him saying specifically, well, you already know who's on the team. What do you need a roster for? And I'm like, well, you know, it's you kind of want to double check, Dan, you know, you kind of want to just make sure that the guys are here and everything. So yeah, you had asked me the last time I was on the show, actually, just like the difference between Dan Mullen at Florida and Mississippi State. And I think he enjoyed his job at Mississippi State a lot. And I think he had a really good thing going there. And he recognized that. But I was remiss with saying with uh, that I didn't say last time that I think he's a lot happier at Florida. I think that's kind of the thing that I should have mentioned before, not that he was unhappy at Mississippi State, but just that this is the job he wanted. And somebody had kind of told me when I first got here, just when I asked personally, just like, what's the difference between him and a few, you know, just like last year or a couple of years ago. And, you know, the example that that person gave me was this, when something bad or maybe something negative had happened, he looked around and he was like, you know what, I'm at Florida. It's whatever, you know, we'll get through it. And I thought that was kind of interesting. And I should have mentioned that last time. But yeah, you know, as far as the spring goes, aside from just, you know, being able to see a lot more at Florida this time around, where like things are open and we're able to kind of just get a good gauge on where the offensive line is at, where Felipe Franks is at, the whole team, the intensity and really the buy-in is kind of the same, I would say, where, you know, you start practice a lot of times and he's going to be in the huddle. He's going to have some words of encouragement to get the guys fired up. We see that a lot at Florida. Same thing, really, um, that he did at Mississippi State. So it's, it's, it's pretty similar, aside from the fact that, hey, actually, I'm actually able to see it this time instead of just hearing about it. Yeah, I can definitely back up what you say about maybe the happiness uh, of Mullen because I mean, even fans notice it too. He was in Jacksonville, um, you know, a couple weeks ago for the Gator Gathering here. Uh, some fans had come up to me and 
you know, had mentioned they'd seen Urban Meyer on his tour and they saw uh, Jim McElwain on his tour and Will Muschamp. And, you know, Will Muschamp, he kind of he he was pretty good with those Gator gatherings as well and and kind of connecting with the fans, but nothing like what Dan Mullen's doing and, and comparing it to Jim McElwain, who absolutely hated doing it, didn't want to do it, and Urban Meyer, who probably really had too many to do <laughs> when he was here. Uh, you know, it's uh, you know, the fans really noticed that stuff as well and how he you know, shares conversations and, and, and talks about, you, you can generally tell how much he says it, that he's happy to be at Florida. And look, I mean, after the open practice last week, you know, I saw you there too, but I had a lot of friends who, who came to the open practice as well. A lot of fans that we uh, tailgate with the, the harmonic woods group there. And, you know, they hung around after practice and Mullen walked up and took the picture with the whole tailgate group. And, you know, it was just, it was, you know, just things that, uh, Maybe maybe you didn't get to see at, from him at Mississippi State, and definitely what we didn't see from past coaches here at Florida. Yeah, I agree, David. I was with him. I was walking out of a practice, just standing next to him, having just our usual conversation, like after a practice maybe a couple of weeks ago. And it was, I think, it was one of the open ones to the public as well as the media. And as we were walking, I think maybe a half a dozen fans came up to him personally, like thanked him for being there. You know, just your, your typical stuff that you would get. But he was pretty engaging with a back and forth. You know, it wasn't one of those where it was like, oh, man, another person came up to me. Um, it was actually like he was very receptive to it. He, you know, he just wants to be here. That's 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 the big thing. That's the big takeaway. He wants to be here. And you need somebody like that, because as we know, at Florida, the job can wear on you. There's so many media requests There's so much, uh, you know, high expectations. It's it, it will wear on you eventually. And you'll have those moments. But if you want to be here, if this is the job that you want, it makes those things a lot easier to, to, to take in. I think the best words were, Will, when, when Steve Spurrier introduced him uh, here in Jacksonville, uh, he said Dan Mullen would leave as the all-time winning coach. And that means a lot coming from Spurrier. So that lets you know, when Spurrier's willing to joke around about a coach like that, uh, and look, that could also be serious <laughs> when it's all said and done. Uh, that you know, Gator, hand, Gator Nation's in good hands when you got Steve Spurrier joking, joking positively about the head coach. Yeah, definitely. And you have a, a Spurrier disciple, if you will, in Dan Mullen a little bit, you know, from yeah. the Bible on down. You know, he's a guy who, you know, is a college football guy, had a ton of respect growing up in the Northeast for what Steve Spurrier was doing down here. So it's just the right fit by all accounts. And we're seeing that, with, you know, it only took a year to see it. Absolutely. All right, we'll get into some spring specifics here from the open practices and the scrimmage that was last week. But before we do, remember, you can find Gators Breakdown on news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. There you'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes as well as articles from the News for Jack sports team, an archive of the Gators Breakdown episodes all there, and also on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, and Spotify when using those services. Please share, rate, and review the show. And thanks so many of you out there for reaching out on social media, Twitter, Facebook, however it may be. You can find us at Gators Breakdown. But thanks once again for all the, the reaching out and, and kudos and all that good stuff for uh, – uh, us just surpassing 1 million overall listens for Gators Breakdown. So everybody who reached out and uh, all that good stuff, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, we'll have hopefully a million more, many, many millions more uh, coming up uh, here uh, for foreseeable future for Gators Breakdown. So, Will, let's get started. Felipe Franks and now, you know, just a wonder of how much better he can get after continuing to look very impressive this spring this time getting off to a hot start uh, in the scrimmage and really moving that first team offense. And well, it's, uh, I go back and I look, you know, track this stat for the offense going back to, to last year. It didn't score a first quarter touchdown 
after the Tennessee game, except for the game against Idaho. So, you know, seeing that quick start, yes, I know it was just a scrimmage, but seeing that quick start from the offense, first drive, going down for a touchdown, that was a welcome sight. That's a pretty good stat. Congrats, by the way, on one million, man. That's big time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. There's a lot of there's a lot of podcasts around, you know, Florida and covering the Gators, and market gets saturated very quickly. So, yeah. man, I'm a big fan of what you're doing. But um, Thanks, anyway, about Felipe Franks, right? Uh, he, you know, what you wanted to see from him is just the level of confidence that he didn't necessarily have in what 2017. He developed that late in 2018, and it looks like it's carried over into 2019 in a big way. So, I think the real question with Felipe Franks is, is what does the ending of 2018 mean for 2019? Does it mean anything? Is it just a compilation of, you know, some good games against some defenses that were kind of so-so to, to bad? Or is it something tangible here that he could build off of? And I think from a mental side of it, we do see him building off of it because he is a lot more confident. He has really good chemistry with the wide receiver room. I think that's one thing that's kind of uh, been overlooked a little bit because it's an experienced room and I think people take that for granted, but he does have really good chemistry with those guys plus the tight ends. And what I found interesting that he said after the, after the scrimmage, David, is you know, they want to push the tempo a little bit more, which I think will be kind of cool to follow this year. That was one thing that he said that they wished that he wished that they had done better collectively is push the tempo. And that could be interesting with an inexperienced and young offensive line with you know, trying to get the ball out of his hands, speeding up the defense a little bit. That could all help. And what we saw last year was John Hennessy and Dan Mullen are going to find ways to make up for, you know, the offensive line issues early on when they're going through that growing pains. You know, he's going to get the ball out quickly. There's going to be some short passes, the swing passes, the screens. We're going to see a little bit of that again. So that's one thing I think people should follow in training camp and a little bit towards the end of the spring is, is you know, if they could push the tempo a little bit more with these younger guys. Yeah, you definitely saw it in the uh, Mississippi State game when they probably knew that offensive line was going to be outmatched and screen, 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 screen. And, uh, you know, kind of something we we thought we would see going into the game. And uh, we definitely saw it. But I also like you bringing up, the you know, the swings, swing passes to the running backs and stuff. And I necessarily didn't really put it together until you mentioned it, but yeah, with the way, especially with Miami, they're going to bring, they're going to bring an athletic front. You know, we, we know that they, they got the players there. Yeah. You know, we may see these running backs involved in the passing game a little bit more to help Felipe Franks and Emory Jones and uh, you know, these quarterbacks going, go, going through that and kind of maybe not so much game planning for the, uh, you know, in the spring for the early part of next season, but things you definitely want to work on because that's probably some of the stuff we're going to see early on in the season. Yeah, and I'll also mention about the running backs being involved in the passing game. They also have to block. And that's one thing that I saw with Malik Davis during the scrimmage it, that, that caught my attention. Now, the, the result of the play was an interception, mind you, from, from Felipe Franks. It was the interception. But what I did like to see was the fact that Malik Davis picked up a blitzer off the edge, made a really nice block on him. The guy couldn't – I forgot who it was who was coming off there, so sorry about that. But the guy could not reach Felipe Franks. And that was all because Malik Davis put a nice, clean block on the guy. And that's one thing that I think Jordan's Scarlett leaves a little bit of a void with. And I think P. Ryan can block. Uh, Pierce is a young guy who's going to have to work on it, and he knows that. But Scarlett left a little bit of a void in that department. I think one of the things that I like a lot about Jordan Scarlett was his ability to just, just you know, take on that block head on, regardless of who it was, and embody somebody and just level him. That's going to be missed. But if Malik Davis could could uh, could grow in that department, 
then that's it's going to pay dividends and it's going to be a good sign to see for his playing time and overall for the offense because like you mentioned they do use the swings and the screens but a lot of times those guys are 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 there for blocking purposes or at least that's what the plan is and that helps the offensive line as well so that's it's going to be key for for a guy like Malik Davis who's going to try to get some playing time in a and again a deep uh, and productive running back room well, uh, Emory Jones started this spring looking impressive, but that progress has slowed a bit in the last week or so. And how would you assess his game right now? And, you know, within that kind of same time frame, Kyle Trask is, uh, has looked pretty solid. Yeah, Kyle Trask was, looked pretty efficient. He was working with the twos and the threes, from, from what I can tell. It was kind of like a mix after a little while. But he was pretty efficient. He got the ball out. Um, he hit his targets, and, and he looked good. He had a nice game. Uh, he was going against – a defensive front that was just chomping at the bit, uh, pardon the pun, to, to 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 break free from that offensive line. So he didn't really get a whole lot of clean opportunities, but he did make the most of, of that sort of situation. One play that comes to mind that would have been an easy completion had the offensive line held the blocks was just a screen to Kadarius Tony. But, you know, John Huggins came off the edge and just got his hands on the ball right at the line of scrimmage. And that happened a couple of times, if I remember correctly. So that kind of robbed him of a couple of completions that would have made his statistical line even better. But he's, he's looked efficient. He's, he's Kyle Trask. I think people know without even seeing him what you kind of expect. You know, he doesn't have that dual threat capability that the other guys have now with Felipe Franks emerging as a capable runner, but he's accurate for the most part from what we've seen in the little opportunities, and he's healthy right now. He looks healthy uh, after after the gruesome injury that we heard about. Um, but with Emory Jones, I think the biggest growth that he's talked about after the scrimmage was the mental side of things, and I like his confidence there. Now, there are some ways that he can grow, of course, because you see him launching a deep ball and then like you know, my jaws on the floor. I'm like, wow, this kid has an arm, man. He's rocking, he's rocking the ball back and he can hit his targets. But then there's some times where you look at him and you're like, okay, this is a young guy who still hasn't quite got the offense or he's pushing a little bit because of that confidence is too high. Maybe he thinks a little bit too highly of himself because some of, some of the throws that he made in that scrimmage were just throws that he should not have made. Uh, one in particular was across the middle and double coverage against a guy who really, really wasn't open for that long, maybe a small window, if anything. It's just not a ball that you need to throw, um, especially not in the scrimmage. But the difference between him and, say, Felipe Franks in years past, I think, is the confidence is, is there for Emory Jones. Maybe it's a little bit too much, like I'm alluding to, but at least it's there. You know, At least he knows that he's pretty good. And I think the mental side of things will continue to grow. It's not a, it's not a question of does he have the tools. It's just you know, he needs to stop pressing a little bit to impress and just needs to let his skills, you know, showcase themselves because we have seen his legs. We've seen the arm. You know, he's been able to make things happen when a play breaks down. It's just knowing what to do with the football. Yeah, I think what we can expect from Emory, is, to, and especially from the coach's side, is they're not going to give him more than he can handle. And especially this year with Franks being the guy, I think we'll see Emory more than we saw him last year, but he'll get worked into some comfortable situations. And uh, no, I don't think they'll put too much uh, on his plate. Well, I think the, uh, the the most surprising outcome of the scrimmage, but I won't really make too much of it because you could kind of tell they were working on the passing game, uh, is the run game not really producing. But for the most part, that looks like a uh, dependable unit this spring led by LaMichael Pirine. 
Yeah, definitely. You know, I kind of uh, equate spring a little bit to like spring training in baseball where like you'll have a pitcher just like throw curveballs for like a full <laughs> inning and not throw his fastball. You'll be like, man, why did he give up eight runs? Like what's going on with this guy? And it's like, well, you know, he didn't even throw his fastball. So it's kind of like that a little bit. Now in college football, of course, you know, so much pressure is on these guys to, to make the plays and execute the plays that the coaching staff wants you to do. Um, and clearly they want to run the ball. But yeah, you know, they, the, passing, the passing game was more of a focus. And, you know, I, I haven't been too down on the run blocking from the offensive line, but I think that's why the you didn't really see a, a Pierce break a run or Davis break a run is because they didn't really have any holes to go through, whether that's on the inside or just guys not setting the edge, you know, the edge being, you know, uh, dominated by guys, you know, like Jabari Zuniga or whoever else they're using there because no matter who they put in, they were having success. So I think it's more of a product of the offensive line just not being where it needs to be right now because the, the ability, like you mentioned, is there for those guys. They're going to produce. It's just a matter of the offensive line coming together. Speaking of that offensive line, you know, and what we've seen from this group so far held true in the scrimmage, kind of like you said, you know, uh, it's a group that's still learning uh, a lot right now and apparent in the scrimmage that the coaches wanted to work on the passing game and they need to, they need that the group to come along uh, in that area probably led to that group eventually being overmatched, but kind of working in a question here from uh, some of our listeners here and uh, Gator Dan says uh, from the start of the spring, who on the offensive line has shown the most improvement and who's been the biggest surprise as far as being ahead of schedule with technique and ability. Probably, probably the Lance Gene the Lance. Um, and I would also go back to last season where you didn't really see him on a whole lot of action. Whereas Stone Forsyth, for example, they actually used Forsyth, um, a couple of times instead of Taylor, you know, Taylor was called for a couple of penalties. They took him out in that game against South Carolina, put up Forsyth. And you didn't really see that with Delance at all. But I think John Hevesy likes Delance's athleticism. I think that that's what makes up for his size is the fact that he's an athlete there at the tackle position. The question is going to be, can he continue to work um, with, with, you know, the base foundation, move his leg, move his feet, take that right, take that right first step. Can he continue to do those things and buy into the coaching? Because it's not a question with if he's, if he has the athleticism, because that, that's, that's there. It's can he continue to just do the things that John Hevesy is asking him to do and buy into the coaching. We know the Gators are loaded at wide receiver and perhaps uh, where we see an evolution for them. If the scrimmage is any indication is maybe getting better with some downfield catches. Uh, now the quarterback also plays a large role in this because we saw, you know, Felipe Franks overthrow Van Jefferson many times last season uh, when Van Jefferson had to step on the defenders. But right now you're seeing multiple receivers getting balls thrown their way deep. Definitely. And one guy in particular who had a nice scrimmage, of course, is Kadarius Tony. That will make a lot of people happy, right? That, that people that- <laughs> He got some passes thrown his way and got to carry the football a little bit. That's going to make some people happy. But the thing with Kadarius Tony is Dan Mullen and the coaching staff has always said that he needs to be more of a complete wide receiver. And what I saw from the scrimmage is that he's getting there. You know, we saw him make an outstretched catch on a, on a throw from Emory Jones across the middle. He was there for that play that I talked about with, this, with uh, the screen earlier um, in the show. And he had another deep ball. I think it was from Felipe Franks that he caught. So he, he's getting there. You know, he's, He's, he's learning about the offense a lot more. He's absorbing the coaching. So he's there. Uh, the room is so deep and experienced. I mean, Van Jefferson kind of gets so overlooked with how good that guy is, man. He's he's such a cerebral route runner that I think he gets just taken for granted. But he's still the number one target there. He's still making things happen. He's still getting the best corner, getting their best effort, too, I will say. 
Hammond had a nice scrimmage as well. I think that that kind of flew under the radar. At, you know, he had a nice. Uh, I think he had three or four catches. Uh, one in particular stood out to me from Emory Jones on a deep ball, and Tyree Cleveland had a nice game as well. And that's big because this is his is approaching his senior season. He's still trying to carve out a role in this in this uh, depth chart that doesn't have too many roles open, but he has the potential. He has the talent that's undeniable. He's always been somebody that's been highly regarded, even coming out of high school as a big time recruit. And he there's, he's shown no sign of rust after the gruesome injury that he suffered against Florida state with collarbone, the collarbone. So he has looked really good. Uh, he had a nice scrimmage with I think three or four catches all from different QBs as well. So that's one guy I think will you should keep in mind definitely and keep a watch on the, these last two weeks of spring. Well, Trevon Grimes, you know, maybe doesn't get because uh, he, he you know he kind of slow start the last season came on toward the end of last season. I don't think Dan Mullen going back to Mississippi State and of course you know he had Grimes in his first season last year. But as far as overall package goes, I'm not so sure Mullen has ever had a wide receiver like this. Size, speed, ability, go up and get type of wide receiver. Um, like you said, there's Florida is so deep at receiver, it's hard to kind of just key on one guy. But if there's one guy I think who really could be uh, the guy once, once, you know, once the season's over with and we're looking back at 2019 and how the season played out, Maybe Trevon Grimes is a guy who takes that big step from year one to year two. You sound pretty high on Grimes, David. I am. I mean, I think he has it all. And it's just, I, I know it didn't work out at Ohio State, uh, but I, I, it's just, I, I don't think Mullen has ever had a wide receiver quite like that. No, I think he's excellent. I agree with you, actually. I think, I think he's, he has sky high potential. Everybody knows that. Yeah. And I think that we saw him targeted a little bit more toward the end of the season. And that catch he made against South Carolina was really a, a season-saving grab. A lot of people overlook that one, but if you go back and look, that changes your whole that changes the game, which changes the season for you. It definitely changes. You know, everybody thought the story was Felipe Franks, and rightfully so. He had a great game and responded really well to a lot of criticism. But man, Grimes makes that catch, and the whole season is different, of course, which it, which it was. So I'm, I agree with you. It's just a matter of is he going to get the targets and is he going to get the opportunity to, to flash that in this offense? Because if you go back and look at all the years that Dan Mullen has run this spread offense of his, it's really divided up into a bunch of guys. You know, his best years, his best uh, offenses, their best years haven't had like one guy have a thousand yards or something like that. It's been a bunch of guys, you know, 500 here, 450 here, maybe a guy with 650, 700, 800, but you really don't have that one guy. And so will he get the recognition? Will he get the opportunities? Because the talent is, is, is undeniable, like I said, but it's just a matter of will he, get, will he get those chances? And when he does get those chances, if they become few and far between, can he make the most out of them and, and carve out a bigger role and continue to sort of you know, build some momentum for himself? Well, I will admit I am much higher on this tight end group than when spring ball started. Uh, Pitts is a matchup nightmare out there when he's you know either – closer to the line of scrimmage as a quote unquote tight end or, or they spread him out wide and, and flex him out. Gamble gets downfield, runs routes better than I thought can get better at catching the ball, more consistent there, but he's had some good grabs so far this spring. Uh, and I'm telling you, I, I just, I like this group as a whole more, more when we did our spring preview a couple weeks ago. Uh, I'm liking what I see for this group so far. Yeah. And you didn't even mention uh cruel. Yeah. Now, 
right. such a big a big part of it. And it's like I don't even blame you for not even mentioning him there because obviously he didn't play in the scrimmage because of the the um, I think it was like a hairline fracture that he suffered. I think he should be back by the way uh, either this week or next week, but. You know, he's not in the sling and he'll be fine. But, yeah, he didn't play in the scrimmage because of that, um, and he was not dressed out for the last couple of practices as well. But, yeah, you know, Kyle Pitts, I, I really recommend everybody to watch a catch uh, from the Mississippi State game. He only had a few catches, so it's easy to look. You know, it's easy to look it up. <laughs> you know, he, um, he had this catch. I think it was like a third down, right? It was like a third and short or something like that. And he ran this slant, and mm. Mississippi State's corner, Cam Dantzler, was draped all over him. And Dantzler's a really good cornerback, a really good defensive back, one of the best, I think, in the SEC. The kid is draped all over Pitts. Pitts still makes the catch, picks up the first down, and it was like it was nothing. It was just a, you know, a ho-hum play. But that's a great example, and I really recommend anybody to go back and watch that one just because it's a great example of what you could probably expect when Pitts is set out wide, it's not always about the deep ball. You know, it's about making those type of catches that are going to move the chains for you. Now, the deep ball, of course, is another element, and we've seen that in open practices a bunch where it's just too easy for him against guys like, no offense to David Reese, that's not his game, but that's like the mismatch that you alluded to, David, where it's like David Reese has no chance on that ball. I think I had tweeted out a video of it. Cruel uh, just ends up bodying him over the top for the grab. And it's just too easy. And like I said, no offense to David Reese, that's a lot of linebackers. That's going to be the result of that play. And even the guys who are like, you know, you're Amari Bernie, who is kind of like a hybrid, who could kind of go against him and give him a good, a good run. He's still, you know, he's too physical. He has the speed. It's just too much for anybody. That's going to be the biggest thing, I think, um, that, that's going to be different about this offense is his, the utilization of Kyle Pitts. Will Salmon from The Athletic joining us here on Gators Breakdown. Will, I hope what we're seeing from the defensive line that has absolutely feasted as, as of late in, in the spring, I, I hope what we're seeing from them isn't a catch-22 and you know, that they're mostly dominating because of the offensive line struggles. Now, there's really no way uh, to tell that, and, and I'm sure it plays a part. But look, they have to start somewhere, and it's better to see them making plays than not. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm in the department where they don't probably dominate like that if it's not the offensive line that they're going through. But they, you know, you do look at it and you say to yourself, okay, this is a good group. Now, just because they're feasting on, you know, guys who are you know three months out of high school, yeah, there's that. But that's not to take away from I think the potential of this group when you take that away. You know, when you do say to yourself, okay, let's let's put that in its own corner and just like look at this group and what do we have? Because there are a bunch of guys who kind of have produced at a high level, you know, in, in the SEC with Jabari Zuniga putting together a nice season last year. The question on him is going to be, you know, if you look at the advanced statistics, he had almost as many hurries as Ja'Kai Polite, but Polite was just better at finishing plays and getting the sack. Can Zuniga take that extra step and finish the play and get those sacks for you? That's going to be the biggest question with him. But you add a guy like, you know, Jonathan Greener from Louisville, who we've talked about before. He's had some production at the at, you know, at Louisville. He's had some big seasons for them going into a defense that he's familiar with, that he's played them before. And, you know, you look at the young guys, they have to build some depth there. But that's coming along. That's coming along. I, I like what I've seen out of Diabati, the freshman. He's, he's been active in pass rush. Chatfield's been there. 
Zach Carter had a nice scrimmage where he had, I think, a thousand sacks, if I remember correctly. <laughs> uh, you know, he's, he's getting there. You know, I think I think the depth is is promising. Uh, it, it's it's something that they have to build because guys like Adam Schuler were not playing and and he has not been dressed out past a couple of practices and Dunlop's been out for the spring. So, you know, who are your guys inside that's going to give you some some breathing room when you take out Schuler and Campbell for those for those reps that you want to share or, you know, have that opportunity to kind of get these guys fresh. That's going to be the questions I think going forward. But the defensive line, the defense front seven, it's good, man. It's 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 pretty good. And Grantham's going to have some flexibility as well with Greener because what I like from him is his coverage ability. He has dropped back into coverage. He's kind of snuck in there and had an interception in the scrimmage and even in the practice, and he's looked really good and really adept at doing that. That's going to afford Grantham the ability to blitz Zuniga um, a little bit differently than he did before and feature him a little bit more. Also, you could do some different things with your DBs, maybe blitz them a little bit, maybe uh, have Bernie come off the edge as a blitzer. So he has some flexibility. He has some versatility, and that's a good thing for the defense, of course. All right. And while we know what the team has at linebacker in David Reese uh, and Amari Bernie, he's been grabbing headlines, as you mentioned, kind of for his versatility uh, to play the position. The Gators might be deeper here than I originally gave him credit for. At linebacker, sure, I, I think so, because look at a guy like Ventrell Miller. Yeah. He, he's a guy who hasn't had the opportunity to play a whole lot in, in games, but when he does, same as, as Houston, you notice him. You know, you notice him make some plays. He's a guy who, in the scrimmage, it was clear, like, you know, you look at his number every time he's in the backfield or every time he's making a he's making a play. He's shown some really good discipline on runs. He's getting to the he's getting to the outside and stuffing runs to the outside that are that are not are not big gains because he's there pushing guys out of bounds even to to sort of uh, minimize the damage there. So he's looked really, really good. Um, same with Houston. And that gives you some depth. I do like Bernie a lot. The question is going to be how often is he going to play at linebacker? Is he a situational guy like on third downs or passing downs? I don't know. I mean, I like him a lot. I think he could do it all. I think, I think he's a guy who's, uh, a quick study, a guy who asks the right questions to Christian Robinson and Todd Grantham, and he's he's a good learner. He's he's going to take in the coaching and he's going to do what is asked of him, and that's play linebacker. And I think he's going to do a really good job. A couple more thoughts from Will Simon before we let him go. Uh, and with the scrimmage being as close to a game situation as we've seen so far, is the picture getting any clearer on who is emerging at safety? But look, I mean, we're still seeing a lot of Donovan Steiner and, and, and Juwan Taylor uh, getting getting some time out there. Uh, but the Gators are going to need Sean Davis, Brad Stewart, and even John Huggins maybe wherever they decide to line him up at, uh, at back there at safety. So is it is it getting getting any clearer for who may be emerging as the top two options there? Stop throwing the ball at Brad Stewart. That's, that's <laughs> people, you know, you got to stop doing that. He's going to make you pay. Now, you know, if you look at the advanced statistics on Brad Stewart, I think pro football focus loves the guy. And for good reason. You know, I think it was out of 14 th targets his way, only six completions. That's a really good number for 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 safety. So that's one thing. To, to keep in mind when you when you look at Brad Stewart is he's a ball hawk man he's gonna he's gonna make some plays there and the safety group as a whole I think has improved from from like that middle of the season early on where you know we were looking at that Kentucky game and guys are wide open and it's just not looking really good at all 
they got a lot better. And I think they understood their roles a lot more with Juwan Taylor coming up in the box a little bit and, and stuff and helping to stuff the run a lot more than he had and racking up tackles against Florida State and Michigan. Uh, but you're right, you know, Sean Davis and Brad Stewart, we do see Steiner a lot, and he's a guy who kind of understands the defense. He understands where to be. He's probably not the most talented safety if you're looking at just from a pure talent standpoint, but he gets the job done more, more often than not. Um, he doesn't get the hype or the recognition, but he plays for a reason. I mean, he's a guy who, who, who knows what to do. It's just a matter of can he do it consistently. Uh, but yeah, I, I like I like Stewart a lot. Uh, one guy who I think you should keep in mind too, and he's been playing more as a backup. I think a nickel to Trey Dean, who's looked phenomenal by the way for the most part, is uh, John Huggins, a guy who offers a lot of length at that position, a lot of speed, some versatility. Ty Grantham loves the kid. He's going to play a lot. Um, you know, I, I think you could bank on that. He's going to play a lot because he's too good not to, even though he's young. He's, he's going to. So they got they got a nice little deep. Uh, safety room when you combine the nickel position as well. Uh, besides, you kind of kind of have to go back to last season as well, and everybody remembers the Georgia game. But besides, you know, when we've seen the offense take advantage of cornerback uh, CJ McWilliams, and there's not much to to worry about for me at the cornerback position. Besides, maybe some depth right now in the spring. Uh, Steele's coming along nicely with, with with Henderson, and as you said, Dean's living up to the expectation as well. You know, once Marco Wilson returns and Kyrie Elam gets in in the fall, that's a group that's a little short on depth right now. They'll get deeper in the fall. But there are some times this spring where the wide receivers have uh, have gotten the best of this group. Yeah, yeah, I think it's kind of it's had a nice little back and forth. Yeah. It really has with C, with CJ Henderson. It's almost like wow, you know that guy made a catch off of CJ. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, well he is a human being. You know that's gonna happen. He, he's but he's he's an NFL guy, man. He's like it's almost as if he should be in the NFL right now. He's that good. I I really mean that. I don't think he he necessarily needs another year in college football. I think if he was ready, if he was eligible to go, he probably should have went. I think he's just that good. But yeah, you've seen guys have some really good competition uh, on, on Dean and the safeties, and it's been fun because I, I think that's making that defensive back group and particularly the safeties a lot better. Is that they're going against guys who know how to run routes, who have you know good packages as far as speed and and knowledge of the game and and who know what to do to get separation, that's going to make you better as a defensive back as well. And we're, we're seeing that for the most part, but you're right. It's got a little bit back and forth. Um, some days the wide receiver room has looked really, really good. And some days defensive backs have, have, have stepped their game up as well. So it's been a nice back and forth. Um, some, some good guys have emerged. And one thing that you mentioned about the cornerback room with you know, CJ McWilliams, uh, you know, Kyrie Elam is going to be here pretty soon you know, come, come the summer. And he's a guy who, yeah, you know, maybe he does end up red shirting because you already have Chris Steele and you have Henderson and you have Marco Wilson. So maybe you don't need him to play more than four games. He probably will because he's that good. Uh, but when he does play, he's going to make a difference. I think, I think he's, he's along the, the lines of like a trade Dean who could step in there and give it his all. And, uh, you know, his knowledge of the game being, you know, a, a bloodline of, of former NFL players, He's going to know what to do uh, when he's when he's inserted into the lineup. Well, uh, no more open practices, I believe, right? We got a couple, actually. I think it's just not open to the public. I think we yeah, got okay, a, right, yeah, yeah, we got a couple for the media's viewing, uh, but not for the public, as far as I know. Right, right. So you know, two weeks until the uh, to the spring game. Uh, with these next two weeks, what are the Gators, What do you think the Gators are kind of going to be working on, and what are some things we might see in the spring game? 
Yeah, you know, I think the tempo, like I mentioned earlier, is one thing to keep an eye on. And the, the overall growth of the offensive line, you need guys like Chris Bleich to continue to get better. Uh, you need a leader to kind of emerge there. I think Brett Heggie does a really good job of doing that. Same as Nick Buchanan, but you'd like to see that even more so. And, and then those guys be more vocal when, you know, the ball is snapped and, and helping guys along. Uh, so that's going to be the biggest storyline, I think, going forward, heading into training camp. Uh, how Chris Steele ends the spring, I think, is going to be critical because he has looked really good at times, but he has also had some freshman moments where there was one play in the practice last week where he just didn't know exactly where to be when the ball was snapped. And that, that was it's one example, and I hate to bring it up because it's just the one example where it happened, but um, he has had moments like that where it's like, okay, yeah, he's a freshman and he was just in high school two months ago, three months ago, whatever it was. And he's playing against like we've, like we've talked about a lot so far, guys who are in their fourth and fifth year uh, who are really, really good at what they do. So, you know, the overall growth of him is something to watch as well and just newcomers as well when it comes to uh, building depth on the defensive line particularly inside and the edge rushers like Diabati you know can, can those guys continue to take another step where they could be dependent on well you do a lot of a, a lot of unique work at the athletic uh, what you got coming up soon yeah, that's a great question, man. Thanks for asking. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to uh, to think on like some long term projects going forward, but a couple of fun ones I have. You know, I'm talking to the assistant coaches just on, you know, what do you look for like when when you're out recruiting because soon enough it's going to be that evaluation period. And so I asked, I've been asking a couple of guys like, what do you look for like before you even put the film up, before you even press play on the huddle, like what do you want to see? And I think that's kind of an interesting question because on this staff, like okay, they're not known as like these ace recruiters that are number one on the recruiting rankings or number two or whatever it is, but they know what they're looking for when they want uh, to develop the talent, you know, and they're really good at developing, they're really good at coaching. So what I want to know is, okay, like, what are you looking for then? If, if you're not signing or getting commitments from, you know, Johnny Five Star, and you're taking some guys who are maybe a little bit lower on the recruiting rankings, why is that? And so I think that's kind of interesting that I'll be working, that I've been working on all spring, and that I should have up uh, once the evaluation process gets started, or the evaluation period gets started, and spring is over. And that should be a fun one for people to kind of uh, look and see, okay, th these are these are some things that people care about. And these are what they value when they go out recruiting. Absolutely. Great work. Got, uh, great work there. Everybody go, uh, go get a subscription to the athletic. Great work. Uh, and like, as I said, some, some unique work out there, uh, that you really won't find, uh, anywhere else. Well, I can't thank you enough for uh, joining us here and, uh, hopefully I'll see you in a, in a couple of weeks at, at the Gator spring game. Definitely David. Thanks for having me on, man. Really appreciate it. Always a fun time. Absolutely. We'll get you on again. Uh, you know, not, not, not too, not in the uh, too far future. I <laughs> appreciate it, man. Thanks, man. All right, Will Salmon from The Athletic joining us here, right here on Gators Breakdown. Before I let you go, guys, you can get Gators Breakdown gear at Squad Locker, headlined by Nike Apparel. You can get hats, shirts, polos, and more. Just head to squadlocker.com and click on Find Your Store and type in Gators, Break Gators Breakdown. Click the link, and there's the store. So Gators Breakdown, merch in all shapes, sizes, colors, and price, uh, and uh, show your support for the podcast. If you can, it'd be, it would be very much appreciate it so uh good stuff there from will kind of a uh halfway look at what the gators have done so far this spring and a spring game coming up uh, in a couple weeks so yeah we'll see uh what kind of emerges as, as some storylines in the next couple weeks probably will be the only episode uh until next week so we'll uh, kind of figure out 
what's going on there. But uh, some, some news, uh, if it happens, we'll be right here uh, on Gators Breakdown. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SDC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.